I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, this Faith Friday episode is going to be out of order. All right, so we just started the book of Galatians uh, last week. If you didn't listen to that episode, you can go back and listen to it. But today, because today is going to be is Good Friday, I thought it would be nice well, not really nice, not necessarily enjoyable, but to read through some of the crucifixion of Jesus, because it is Good Friday. Why do we even call it Good Friday? And I'm going to get into a little bit of that. I don't know the history around Good Friday, really, why we call it Good Friday necessarily, like the actual history, but I'm going to talk about why I think it's Good Friday. And we're just going to read through some of the crucifixion. I'm going to talk about a few things here. Um, We might even jump into some of Easter because, as you guys know, this is a Faith Friday podcast, and I don't do a Faith Sunday podcast. So Sunday is Easter. Today is, is kind of the somber day when Jesus dies on the cross. And then he goes into the tomb for three days and rises on Sunday, okay? And so that's why I kind of want to talk about Easter as well. Hopefully in this episode I get to it. Um, This could be a little bit longer podcast. I don't know. We'll just have to see. But before we jump into it, let me pay. Oh my goodness, I'm having a hard time here. I got a frog in my throat. Let me play the show sponsor, and then we will jump right into today's episode. As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. All right, guys, we're back. Uh, The frog is gone, I think, from my throat. So today I'm going to be reading in Matthew because I think Matthew has some interesting things to say about the crucifixion in his book. And uh, there's just some interesting things that aren't in the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right. So there's some things that Mark, Luke, and John don't talk about that Matthew does talk about because Matthew takes a few more notes than the other guys. So starting off the crucifixion story, we can't read it all. There's so much. It's over like three chapters um, in in the Bible here. I mean, we could go over the Last Supper. We could go over all that stuff, but I think we're going to skip over that today. And we're going to skip over 
Jesus being arrested and I'm just going to summarize, okay? So I'm going to summarize some of this. So Jesus went with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane, all right? And this is after the Last Supper. So this is after kind of the first communion service, if you will. And Jesus and his disciples go to the Mount of Olives or Gethsemane. And Jesus asks his disciples to stay awake with me, stay up with me, pray, pray. As Jesus went off on his own, he asked them to pray for him. And so Jesus goes off and he, he is just in a really bad way. I mean, he, the Bible says he sweat drops of blood, which is possible. It's actually physically possible when you get that stressed out and distressed, you can sweat drops of blood. And Jesus was just beside himself because think of what is coming. All right. And we'll, we'll hear what comes. All right. And so he is just, he is, he's, I believe he's nervous. Wouldn't you be if, if you knew what was coming? If you knew that you were going to be shot tomorrow or crucified tomorrow, which is way worse, wouldn't you be nervous? Wouldn't you be like, oh my goodness, I don't want to go through this. And that, that's what Jesus is, at, is asking God here. He asked God um, as he prays. Let me see if I can find it here. The Garden of Gethsemane. Um, we are in chapter Matthew chapter 26 right now. And it says, uh, he, he asked Peter to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time, verse 42. He went away a second time and prayed, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. What, what's the cup? We went over this as a family just the other night. What is the cup? The cup that he has to drink. And I don't think it's the crucifixion. I think it's the sin, the weight of the sins of the entire world being placed on his shoulders. I believe that's what Jesus is really concerned about here. That's what I think. I mean, yes, physical pain, it's going to be there. We know that, but I think it's the, the more, the, the worst pain would be the sins of the entire world that were the sins that were, and the sins that were to come were all placed on Jesus. That had to be the most painful thing in all the world to Jesus. And so he's asking God, if there's any way that I don't have to drink this cup of sin. May take it away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. All right. And then as we go on, we find that they're in the garden and he says, you know, wake up guys. I'm disappointed that you didn't stay awake with me. Wake up. See, my betrayer is coming. And so Judas one of the 12, one of the disciples who was just at the last supper with Jesus, Jesus washed this person's feet and he, he, he still loved Judas, but he knew what Judas had to do. 
to fulfill Scripture and to fulfill God's will. He knew what Judas had to do. And Judas comes with a, a, a large group of men carrying clubs and spears. And they come to arrest Jesus. And when they come to arrest Jesus, one of the disciples takes out his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the guys. And Jesus says, enough, none of that. I will go willingly because God did not choose to take away this cup. And Jesus went willingly and was arrested. Now, Jesus goes before the Sanhedrin, which is one of the parties of the, the Jewish religion that there's the, there's the, um, oh, good grief. Now I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, the Sanhedrin was like the governing body of the Jewish church at that time. All right. And so he goes before them and they, they send him to, to Pilate or to the king. I can't, I think they send him to Pilate. And then as that story goes on, Peter disowns Jesus to this little servant girl. Uh, she says, weren't you one of the 12? And he says, I don't know that man. And then he, he swears, he curses and says, I do not know that man. And then the rooster crows. Remember, if you've heard the story, you remember. And then as we go on, we find out that Judas hangs himself, right? And it's pretty gruesome. Like his guts spill out on the ground. That's really, I mean, gruesome. Right? And then Jesus goes before Pilate. And this is where we're going to start reading. Matthew 27, or I'm sorry. Yeah, Matthew 27, verse 11. Let's start reading there. If you have your Bibles, at your, if you're listening at home or watching on, you, on Rumble, rather, not YouTube, but Rumble, uh, grab your Bible, read along. All right? Uh, Matthew 27, verse 11. Meanwhile... Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the test didn't yeah, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply not even to signal charge, not, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders pursued the persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas 
Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead of an uproar, I'm sorry, let me go back to verse 24. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So we're just going to stop there for a minute. So you see in this little thing here, pardon my reading mistakes, but in, in between verse 11 and 26, Pilate does everything he can to get out of charging Jesus with anything. And, he, and in fact, he doesn't charge him with anything. But he, he tries to to get the, the crowd, the Jewish people to say, or just the crowd, we're just going to call them the crowd, to let Jesus go. And they refuse. And they say, we will take the blood of Jesus on us and our children. That's crazy to me. And then Pilate's wife has this dream and she was, she was beside herself. She said, have nothing to do with that innocent man. And, and, and Pilate washes his hands of the whole situation and his, and he just says, take him and do what you want with him. So he, he gives Jesus to his guards, to, to his men, and he has Jesus flogged. And that flogging, that is something that is brutal. I don't know if any of you have seen The Passion of the Christ or not, but that is probably the best video description or, or depiction of what a, a Roman flogging was like. They used a cat of nine tails whip, so it had nine strands on it, and in those strands were embedded stone and bone and whatever sharp stuff they could find to rip your flesh from your body. And they do 39 lashes with the, the cat of nine tails. And most people don't survive the flogging. They lose too much blood. They, it rips up their flesh. They, they don't survive it. But as we go on here, Jesus survives. He must survive because he's got to make it to the cross to fulfill, to fulfill prophecy. So as we read on here, let's go to Matthew. Uh, let's go to Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the paratorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, 
king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. So the, these Roman soldiers, I mean, they, these guys are brutes. I mean, so they ripped the flesh from his body. Then they beat him on the head while he's got this crown of thorns. And this is not like your normal little rose bush thorns. These are like three inch thorns. All right. And it's that digs into your to your scalp. And that just adds insult to injury here. And now we go into the crucifixion. Let's go. Let's start at verse 20 or 32 of Matthew 27. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down they kept watch over him there. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to, who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and, he, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Can you imagine just the, not only the physical pain, but the emotional pain, right? You're going to tear down the temple and rebuild it, huh? Well, you're up there on the cross, right? <laughs> Come down, save yourself. And the, the thing that strikes me in this whole thing, the whole crucifixion, is that people say, Come down, save yourself, and then we will believe in you. The thing is, those people would not have believed because they were already there. They had heard what Jesus' teachings. He had been teaching all over in that area. He taught in the synagogue. And yet they didn't believe. He could have, he could have called a billion angels to rescue him from the cross and they still would not have believed. Because they don't, they didn't have any faith. No faith. And then we keep going on. Verse 45. <clears throat> From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. 
About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabbatani, sorry, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of them standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Verse 48, immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn. Now this is where things start to happen. All right, verse 51, this is where Jesus died and things start to immediately change. And people immediately start to believe. Listen to this, verse 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple, which the curtain of the temple was like 12 layers thick. This was a thick curtain because this was into the holy of holies this is where god was all right only one priest could go in once a year and offer a sacrifice in the holy of holies and they tied a rope around his waist so in case he died from god's wrath they could pull him out that's how serious the holy of holies is and listen to this At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, diagonally. Now, it doesn't say that, but that's really what we think. Um, The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Now, none of the other Gospels mention this. None of the other Gospels talk about there being this earthquake or the curtain tearing it. Well, they might. some of them might mention the curtain tearing in two, but Matthew really touches on that here. And the rocks splitting. So there was an earthquake, the rocks are splitting. And tombs were opened up and holy people were raised to life. We don't hear about that too much when we hear about the the crucifixion story. And I I haven't heard too much about that. But that's that's like um, a complete miracle. They went into the holy city and showed themselves to people. The, like actual people, people like, like they were like me when they raised from the dead. That had to be wild to people to see their dead loved ones. What if one of these holy people had died two weeks ago, right? Someone's brother who died two weeks ago or two years ago, all of a sudden they show up at their door. Hey, I'm hungry. I've been dead for two years. Holy crap. I mean, I shouldn't say holy crap, but I just did. Good grief. And yet still many, many people did not believe. Verse 54. When the centurion 
one of the one of those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. So he saw all that had happened. So he saw people walk out of tombs. Now, I'm not sure that's the case because it says at the resu- at after Jesus resurrection um the the people that were raised from the dead went into the holy city. So, that could be not the case for seeing the dead raised, okay? But the centurion, seeing all that had happened, uh, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Can you imagine how, I mean, you had to be pretty darn scared after crucifying the son of God, right? And you realize, surely this guy was truly the son of God, like, holy crap, I'm going to die. Like if anyone should be struck down by lightning, it's that guy, right? But he's not. He's not struck down by lightning. Verse 55, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the, uh, Mary the mother of James and J- and Joshus, Joseph, something like that, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. That's just crazy. So there was people there watching. They experienced the earthquake. The centurions, they, they, they experienced the earthquake, and they believed. That, that sounded like belief to me. Surely this was the Son of God. Now, they didn't know, that, I mean, they weren't Jews, so they didn't know the, the Old Testament teachings. But this is huge. This is, this is where things start to change at the crucifixion. That's why, as a Christian, the crucifixion, Easter, this time of year is so important. Because when that curtain was torn in the temple... We no longer have to go through a priest to have access to God. We have access, full, unadulterated, unhindered access to the God of all the earth. When that, when that curtain tore, that was it. There was no more need for a holy of holies. God now communes with us. And Jesus' death just started the ball rolling. And then we keep going on. And they bury Jesus, and they put spices on him, and they take him down from the cross. Jesus dies. They, instead of breaking his legs, um, they spear his side, and blood and water comes out. And that's how you know that someone is dead, when blood and water comes out. All right, so they place him in a tomb. And then we go to verse or chapter 28. And this is where it gets good, guys. This is where it gets good for Easter, right? Verse 20 or chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. So another earthquake. 
there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. In other words, they fainted. Verse 5, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is, a, and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell your brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. That is good news. The Savior of the world, the one who took the sins of us all on his shoulders on the cross, did not stay dead. He defeated death and rose again. That is awesome news. And I encourage you guys, I don't have time to do it here on the podcast, but I encourage you to go into every single one of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and read all the accounts of the crucifixion because there's details in each book that aren't in the other books. And so you need to, you need to read it so you get a full picture of what happened here. I only have time to go through Matthew. If I had more time, I'd go through Mark, Luke, and John with you because it is so amazing, this story. And it's it's our story. Why is it our story? Because Jesus took our sins, our punishment. We were the ones that were supposed to die on the cross. We were the ones that were supposed to be flogged. We were the ones that were supposed to have a crown of thorns put on our head. We were the ones that were supposed to die for the wrongs that we have committed against a holy God. But Jesus, being rich in mercy, took our iniquities upon his on upon himself he was the last sacrifice the jews had to do sacrifices up until this point they had to do animal sacrifices to re, to to get to get um absolved shall we say of their sins now jesus the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. We, we see that John the Baptist says that when Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God, is the final sacrifice for sin. 
He's the final one. No more sacrifices need to be made for sin. Jesus made a way. Where there was no way, he made a way for us. All we have to do, and it's not even really doing anything, we have to believe. I've talked about this many times on the podcast before. We have to believe that Jesus, that we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm sorry, I'm messing it up here. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a brain fart now. Um, oh, gosh, what is it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. Oh, now I got it. Confess with your mouth. There we go. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's it. Confess and believe. And that's the thing. Like, Sometimes I watch videos on YouTube of evangelism or whatever, and I see... I see some people, they say, I want to be saved. And the person that's talking to them says, great, that's, that's wonderful. And they say, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. <clears throat> I want you to come into my heart. Renew my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What's missing? What is missing in that prayer? That person never confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Never once. Because that is really hard for people to do. That is really hard for people to do. Is to confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. The easy part, in, in my opinion, is to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But a lot of people struggle with saying that, confessing. That means not just saying it out loud in an empty room. That means telling someone else, telling someone else who knows you, who knows who you are, knows what you've done, saying, Jesus is Lord. I believe Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. That is the hard part, guys. But that is what Easter is all about. That is what Christ did for us. He opened the way for us to be saved, to go to eternity with him in heaven. That is the way. This is the only way. From the system that God and Jesus, Jesus was a part of this from the beginning. God the Father made a covenant with Jesus Christ the Son. They came together. They said, all right, God said, Jesus, these people on earth, they are going to be sinful. All right, this is before the foundations of the world. Do you understand this? God comes to Jesus and he says, 
these people on earth, they are going to be sinful. They are going to walk away from me. I am going to need a sacrifice. Someone to pay for their sins. And Jesus agrees. Before any human being was ever on the earth. That yes, father. I will die for the sins of these people. And they make a covenant with one another. It's called the covenant of grace. Now, Jesus fulfilled the covenant. Jesus took the sins of all mankind upon himself. Became that sacrificial lamb. The last sacrifice. So that now we can spend eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Guys, at the end here, I want to play Vodibachum Jr.'s description of the gospel again. I think it's just so powerful. I think it's, it's what we need to hear on a weekly, if not daily basis. We need the gospel. I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years or two minutes. You need to hear the gospel over and over and over and over and over again. Because it is what saves us. It is what we need. It is, it is the gospel is the embodiment of all that has happened from beginning from the beginning of the bible till the end it is what has happened and how we get to heaven to to be with christ and so i'm going to play that here at the end it's just going to be audio but really listen guys i i i ask you just to close your eyes and listen to the gospel And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, take a minute and thank him for his sacrifice. That's what this whole weekend is about. It's about thanking him, worshiping him, Jesus Christ, for his sacrifice. And then it's also, Easter is also a celebration of the freedom of, that we have as believers in Jesus Christ, the freedom from sin and the freedom from death. That is what Easter is about. It's not about the Easter bunny. It's not about eggs with candy in them. It is about Jesus. So guys, I ask you to just listen to this. Listen to the gospel. If you're a believer, thank Jesus for his sacrifice. If you're not a believer, if you're still here and you're, you're questioning, I don't know if I believe this. I beg you, listen to the gospel and then run. Get yourself a Bible. Get yourself a Bible and read the book of John. All right. Read the book of John. 
There's a couple of Johns in the Bible. There's John, one of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the New Testament. And then there is 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And that is a different John that writes those, I believe. Maybe not, but I could be mistaken. But read just the main book of John. And if you're still questioning, come back, listen to this episode. Get on YouTube. Search out how to know, how to know God. If you're still not sure, I, I ask you to look up a, a channel called Living Waters. All right? That is an evangelistic channel. He does a very good job of explaining the gospel. No, our, our problem is this. Our problem is that. We say, no, 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 no. Our problem is that God created the world and God created man and he put man in the garden to keep the garden and he gave the man a command and he held that man to perfect, perpetual obedience to that command and he promised him life if he kept it and death if he didn't and he didn't keep it, he ate. And because he ate, because of that one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And everyone born from that man through ordinary generation inherited that man's sin nature. And because of that sin nature, sins proceed from it. And our world is broken because of that sin. And we stand guilty before a holy and righteous God. And we know that he's holy and we know that he's righteous and we crave justice. But the problem is that if God gives us justice, we all die. And so that God in his goodness and in his mercy sent forth his son who was not born of ordinary generation but was born of a virgin. Yes, the virgin birth matters. Why? Because if he's born of ordinary generation, he's born in sin. But because he's not born of ordinary generation, he's not born in sin. He's clean of sin. His record is clean. And he keeps his record clean. And he obeys God's law. And because he's fully God and fully man, he obeys the law of God on our behalf in his active obedience. And then in his passive obedience, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. All we like sheep had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, but God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And Christ died for sin once for all, the just for the unjust. And God imputes our sinfulness to him. And he nails our sinfulness to the tree. And Christ dies and raises again on the third day for our justification. And there's another imputation. The righteousness of Christ is actually imputed to us so that God can be both just and the justifier of the one who places faith in Jesus Christ so that all those who come to Christ may enter in, so that all those who place faith in Christ might be saved, but not only saved, but sanctified because he's the firstborn of many brethren. We're justified and we're adopted into the family of God and we're sanctified. And as his children, we begin to bear the family resemblance and we're further sanctified throughout this life by the very same gospel that saves us. 
until one day when it's all said and done, we're not just saved from the penalty of sin. We're not just saved from the power of sin, but one day we're glorified and saved from the very presence of sin. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we need. And that's the gospel that's more than enough.